0: Good morning, everyone. Nice to be with you all this morning. My name is Jared Perry. I am the church planning resident here at White Rock Fellowship and the pastor of East Lake Fellowship Church, which uh, is hopefully going to start meeting in September, which is a bit crazy. It's insane to see how cl- much closer that's getting. Um, if y'all were here earlier this summer, uh, you heard me give an update. Um, you are free to zone out for these next couple of seconds uh, while I update everybody else. But people travel in the summer, so I figured I'd let you guys know where we are. Uh, Eastlake Fellowship is, I think, in a really exciting place. Uh, we are moving towards closer and closer to nailing down a location to meet, uh, which is very exciting for us. So, uh, Central Lutheran Church on Easton Road has been kind enough to host us. Uh, We got to go in there last uh, Sunday, which was uh, very exciting for our team to be able to be in there. We did a prayer walk around the facility, got to talk and discuss what it would look like for us to meet and have services there. Um, And so we're thrilled. Excuse me thrilled and excited about this possibility. Their pastor's been out of town this last week, so we're trying to uh, dot some I's and cross some T's. Hopefully that'll happen soon. Uh, But feeling better and better about us having a location, which has been exciting. Uh, And our team is continuing to build into one another and care for one another. We had a, a couple that had a baby this last week, a little early unexpectedly, and the team all jumped in and was just trying to be supportive and ultimately It's fun to see the church be the church uh, in a lot of ways. So we're so grateful for all your support for us uh, during this process over these past few months. There are a couple things that we can do uh, or that you could do to help us out over these next few weeks. One thing is we'd love for you to think about inviting Someone to be a part of what we 're doing, or introducing us to someone who lives in that area, uh, maybe now that we have a location, knowing kind of where Central Lutheran is uh, and where Eastern Road is, maybe you have someone that comes to mind. I was just talking to somebody in the foyer who has a, a family member who lives in that area who 's not a believer, and they were going, "Oh, you know maybe we could introduce you. They live just a street behind the church right there. Maybe this creates an opportunity for you to introduce us to someone i 'd love to take them and or you to coffee and lunch and get to talk about the neighborhood and the area, how we can serve them faithfully and and be present there. So that's the first thing. If you think of someone, an introduction you can make or an invitation you could give someone to come meet with us, that'd be awesome. We meet on Sunday nights. Uh, We're meeting at five o'clock on Sunday nights right now. All the details are on the website. And so we'd love for you to check that out second thing that you could do to help us out would be to serve. Um, We are, because we're meeting in the evenings, it gives you the opportunity to come and be with us on Sunday evenings to help us out by serving our kids. Um, It can be a little distracting for them to have to sit through the whole time that we're getting together and talking and sharing with one another. So we have them for part of our gathering and then have them go uh, off to do their own thing for uh, another part. It would be awesome if we were able to have people who were coming to serve us. Uh, by helping us care for those kids and give them the focus and attention that they need. So um, Courtney came and did it last week. It was such a blessing of her after being here and and working this morning and then coming in the evening for about an hour or so. So we'd love for you to consider that. If you're interested, come find me after the service. I'd love to talk with you. Uh, Or you could just send me an email or find us on our website. Uh, You can connect with us there. Uh, We'd be happy, happy to talk to you about that. So. Thank you for letting me update you. I'd love for us to take a second and just pray and reset before we jump into the word. (sighs) Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning grateful for the opportunity to come as brothers and sisters in Christ and worship you. To come and remember your faithfulness even in the midst of times when we maybe don't have the answers we're looking for or waiting for things. Come to you in the midst of things being good or things being hard. Lord, that we come in all these seasons of life to worship you. Father, we pray first for this, our team in Costa Rica. Lord, we ask that you would go before them and bless them for the teams that are teaching the pastors. May the words be clear and accurate. May they be able to care for and minister to these that are serving you in Costa Rica. Lord, that may they be a blessing and may you bless the work of the gospel being done there through our teachers. But Lord, we also pray for this part of the team that's working with refugees. We ask that they would be able to show Christ who came to us, to these refugees who are so in need of love and of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, for those of us here this morning, I pray and ask that you would work in our hearts and our minds to form and shape us with this word that whatever we've been dealing with, God, that we would be forced to reckon with who you are in the midst of our lives. So if you would take a second and pray for yourself. You know what's going on in your life. You know what would distract you this morning, what's distracting your heart, your thoughts, your mind. Pray and ask that God would be able to allow you to focus in that you would hear. If you would also take a second, pray for those around you. If you know them by name, use their name. If not, that's okay. Pray that the Lord would speak to your brothers and sisters in this room, that they would not be distracted by the worries and cares of all the things going on. And then if you would also pray for me, I I don't really know. I've just got kind of this weird sense, um, this weird distraction going on in my brain. And I would love to be able to put that aside this morning. Hmm. Father, we ask these things because we cannot make them happen on our own. And so we pray them in your son's name and by the power of your spirit. Amen. So this week, we jump back into the book of Hebrews. If you haven't been here, we've been looking at Hebrews 11 and understanding, studying, examining this idea of by faith. As we studied Romans over this past year, we've talked a lot about the context of Romans, and I think that's important here. However, unfortunately, there's just a lot we don't know about Hebrews. The, the author of Hebrews is anonymous. It, it's unknown. We don't know for sure who wrote this book. And as a product of that, we also don't know entirely for sure who exactly was the audience. But as we've studied this book and looked through it, we can glean pretty confidently, say fairly certainly, That this book was likely written to Jewish Christians, people with an intense depth of knowledge of the Old Testament and how God had worked through his people before Christ. And specifically, these Jewish Christians, we believe based on verse 10, were suffering real persecution. They were facing the possibility of potential imprisonment, of persecution, of uh, people attacking them for their faith. And so this author has written this text to do a number of things, but in this section specifically has pivoted to discussing the importance of faith for those that are suffering and facing persecution. The importance of them taking a step to remember what role faith plays in their life. And specifically, the author begins by giving a definition of faith. The author says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Not only that, but the author goes on to explain that faith has been the manner by which God has always, always commended his people. And to prove this point, the author has gone through and is spending time talking through various figures in the Old Testament showing how their faith was the basis of which God Commended them. I'd encourage you if you've not, if you weren't here the last couple weeks, you haven't gotten to listen to it. At some point this summer, maybe go back and check the last two sermons as we talked about maybe some lesser-known characters of the Old Testament. We talked about Abel, we talked about Enoch, but this week we're going to speak about a more common, more popular character, Noah. Someone that most of us have heard the stories about. Most of us have seen the pictures or played with a little ark or done the thing. Right? And there's a number of things that we could talk about in the story of Noah. There's so many different avenues that we could dive into. And yet, I want us to focus in on what I believe the author focuses in on for this purpose, for this letter. Where the author encourages us with this reality that by faith, we learn from Noah's story that the people of God pursue his way of rescue. In Noah's story, we learn that the people of God by faith pursue his way of rescue. Now, we talked a little bit about the context of Hebrews, but when we're jumping back into Noah's story, we need to remember his story as well. And again, it's it's common knowledge, but I think it's worth us remembering. If we looked back in Genesis chapter 6, and we'll put some of these verses up on the screen. What situation was Noah in? What was happening in his world? Well, verse 5 of chapter 6 of Genesis says this, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The next verse is going to tell us that because of this evilness, because of this wickedness, the Lord went so far as to regret that he had even made humanity and that he was grieved. Five chapters ago, God was talking about how very good his creation was. And in that time span, the wickedness of mankind, the wickedness of humanity had grown so much that God was at this point now a feeling regret, a feeling grievous. In verse 11... God says this, it says the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence and behold, God saw the earth and it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. He's not really leaving us a lot of room (laughs) for saying like, oh, maybe some parts of this are fine, right? No, all the earth is all corrupt with all violence, right? We've got this overarching understanding that things are corrupted and wicked and evil, and no time. So maybe you're thinking, well, I've read social media. Our time's pretty corrupt, right, as well? And there are. There are troubling things happening now. There are troubling things happening today. But this is a different level. We're talking about a different situation, a different circumstance, where God is looking into the world and saying, all I see is wickedness. All I see is evil. And with that in mind, our God devises a plan to bring rescue and restoration to humanity. He's going to do do so through a man called Noah, but that process for Noah is going to require him to take some steps of faith. And the first one we see here in Hebrews chapter 11 is that Noah has the faith to listen look with me in verse seven, where it says this, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen and reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Before Noah can get to building the ark, before he can get to saving his household, what does he have to do? He has to hear. He has to listen to the warning that God has for him. This is a smaller thing, but it's worth us paying attention to. For notice, as we said, back in Genesis chapter six, in verse five, it said that every intention of the thoughts of the heart of humanity was on evil continually. Everyone else that Noah was around had the thoughts of their hearts and mind focused on evil and wickedness. But the author of Hebrews says that Noah took the time to listen to the Lord. It required an act of faith, because here's the other thing: Noah, we're going to find out, lives to be about a 9, 950 years old. God's going to speak to him four times in 950 years. That averages out to like 240 something, I think, if I'm if I did the math right. It's over 200 years on average, but In the times that God is speaking to Noah, that Noah is waiting, listening, asking God to speak. The Bible says that Noah had walked with the Lord, that he was a righteous man. And in all that time, we don't have record of Noah's walking with God, that God was speaking to him. Yet Noah was willing by faith to listen. Even when he wasn't hearing. Even when everything around him was crazy. Noah still said, by faith, I'll listen to you. By faith, I will hear you. I don't know about you. I've never audibly heard from the Lord. This has never been a, a thing in my life. But what I do have that God has given to me, spoken to me is the word of God. And yet, even with this word that I can look at and feel and touch and hold, there are still moments where I read it and I still find myself wondering, God, what are you saying? God, are you speaking to me? I can't really hear you. Was that just the burrito I had for breakfast? Like, what is this thing that's happening? Are you supposed to speak to me every time I read your word? And so while we are not in Noah's time, we still do find ourselves in these moments of living in a world where we ask ourselves, is God speaking? Is God moving? A time when Listening to the Lord still requires and asks us to exhibit faith. A conviction of things we haven't seen yet happen. An assurance that the thing we hope for, that we might hear from God, is possible. So Noah pursues the way of God's rescue first. First. By having the faith to listen. But not only does he have the faith to listen, he has the faith to follow. I'm going to read it again. Verse 7. We're going to come back to this verse a lot. I'm just going to read it a lot. So, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Noah has heard from the Lord. He's listened to the Lord. But now he has to follow him. Now he has to have the faith to follow him. And this ark, not a small thing. All right. Let me read to you some of God's instructions from chapter six of Genesis. He says, this is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side Make it with lower, second, and third decks, and God gives then all these instructions about all the animals and all these things that Noah has to do. This is not an easy task. I I don't know about you, I don't talk in cubits a lot. That's not a term that we use, right? But I think it's helpful for us to try and estimate what that would be like. 300 cubits in our lingo is about 450 feet. That's a football field and a half of this huge ship that Noah has to build right? You've got a breadth of 50 cubits, right? So its width is about 75 feet long, okay? Big text, 55 feet, all right? Lay big text down, right? Add another 20 feet on top of that. That's how wide this thing is, okay? Then height-wise, we're about 45 feet, so a little bit shorter than big text. You've got this huge ship that Noah's being asked to build. He's got family, he's got help. But this is not an easy task that the Lord's asking him to do. And in a world where everyone is following the intentions and desires of their own hearts, everyone's going after the things that they want, the things that are making them feel good, Noah is having the faith to spend his life building this thing that God has asked him to build. But the author of Hebrews gives us an additional component to this that I find is to be really interesting. He points out that Noah constructs this ark in reverent fear. Fear is not a term we talk about with God a lot anymore. It's a term I think that scares us sometimes, appropriately, The idea that God is something to be afraid of makes us think that maybe he's like a boogeyman or a monster at the night. But we have this term reverent fear. It's a term that recognizes who God is. It recognizes his character. It recognizes his power, his rightness to be able to judge the wicked and the good. His rightness to be able to say, this is wrong and thus I have declared Judgment, but it also recognizes that he is the God who created mankind and that he is the God who through grace and goodness is offering salvation to them now. It wholly looks at his character and says, yes, there are parts of God that are powers way beyond what I can comprehend, can control, and there's fear to be had. But there's reverence as I recognize the goodness and grace that God extends as well. But it requires faith to build and to live and to follow in this way that God has provided for Noah. It's not an easy task. When I was a kid, I played summer league baseball one year. It went really well. I let her inquire later, so don't worry about it. All right? Athletics was not my thing, but I loved baseball. I'd grown up with it my whole life. And so we were playing, and I had gotten on third base this game, uh, which was uh, a huge accomplishment for me. Hitting was not my skill set. But I was on third base. We're in this summer league game. We're lined up. And I don't know if you know this, but like, you don't. Once you get to third base, you're just waiting on other people to knock you in. Like you're sitting there at third, you're waiting on somebody else to get a hit, and it's great that you got there. But I'm sitting on third base, and I hear my coach go, Okay, you're gonna steal home. I'm like, Coach, you you saw what number like I'm not the other kids, I'm Jared. Like I'm not the kid that steals second base, much less home plate. That's not what's gonna happen here. But he said, Okay, when I tell you I want you to go, I want you to steal home. And I was like, Oh what? And so I'm sitting there at third base, trying to get a lead, trying to walk and trying to listen to my coach. And he tells me to go home and I hesitate. I'm like, there's no, I'm just going to be out. What are we doing? But eventually I kind of run home and sure enough, I get tagged out and my coach just chews into me. He's like, I told you to run. Why aren't you running? What are you doing? I was like, coach, I didn't think there was any way that was going to work. There's no way I'm going to steal home. That can't possibly work. And so I didn't listen to him. I didn't do what he said. Because for me, I had no belief that his ways were going to work out. Here Noah is building an ark for a flood that's going to come. And he's got to believe this is going to work. Not only am I not going to have wasted all this time working hard to build this ark, but also it's got to float and save my family and I. And that action, that confidence, that conviction, that assurance requires faith to follow. Finally, to follow the path, the way of God's rescue it requires faith to receive. again, Noah being warned by God concerning the events yet unseen. in reverent fear constructed an ark for what? For the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah's physical salvation was through an ark. That's probably not his first pick. Like, can you imagine later when he was talking with Moses and he's like, wait, wait, wait. So God just pushed the water aside for you? What? I had to build this whole thing and God had just pushed some water aside from you. Like, why couldn't He do that for me? That's not the physical rescue that God provided for Noah. God provided Noah this means a physical rescue, and it's probably not what He would have chosen. He, there's any number of things that I can come up with that I'm sure Noah could have come up with as ways that God might have accomplished the same task, but in a way that was more convenient for Noah, a way that was better for his life. And not only is that true for Noah's physical salvation, but think about what this says about Noah's ultimate salvation as well, right? By this action, he condemns the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah does not become an heir. He does not receive his rescue by his work. It doesn't say because he spent all this time hammering nails and doing the pitch and doing all this stuff and hurting animals and he had to sit on this boat with these smelly creatures for this long, Noah is now saved. No. His rescue did not come from his works. It came from his faith. This intangible thing that he can't make a list of, that he can't point to and say, yes, I can rest in that thing, it is his assurance, his conviction. That's the basis on which Noah is saved. That's the means of God's ultimate rescue for his people, that he would ask them, that by faith they would receive a righteousness and a goodness that's not their own. It's not based on what they do. It's based on his son, Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes God's way of salvation, both physical and ultimate, is hard for us to wrestle with. We want to come up with other ways. We want to find other ways to be confident. But by faith, the people of God pursue God's way of rescue and not their own. As I worked on this this week, I found myself thinking back through various times in my life where these components of this process were challenging, right? So we talked about recognizing the role faith plays in our listening to God. And I thought about all the times as a kid when I was like growing up in church and being taught whether I was supposed to read the Bible and and go through all this stuff. And I would sit there and read it and then look around like, is something supposed to happen? Am I supposed to feel something? And I didn't know. And that made me wonder, like, am I Am I doing this right? Am I really a question? Is God really there? Like you start to ask those questions when you feel like you're not hearing from the Lord, but everybody else is kind of acting like you're supposed to. And so you, or, or those other times when God says something or God seems to say something that you go, is that fair? I mean, we talked about this all through Romans. Is that right? Is that just? Is it good for God to say that this is wrong or this is bad or This is how he worked. And so at times, listening and my faith in listening has been challenged and stretched. At times, the following process has been hard. Right? God asks us to live and walk in a certain way and then life gets stressful and a pandemic happens or, or something happens with work or something happens in a family relationship and I... I've got to love my enemy? Like, wait, love my enemy? I'm supposed to love my neighbor? I don't have enough love for myself right now. i got to love my neighbor? Lord, I'm hurting and things are hard and I just need a little comfort. And if I could just indulge in this thing. But you tell me I can't. And so following him in faith becomes challenging or... Receiving his rescue is not what I want. I <laughs> think about the times that we've dealt with family medical issues and chronic pain and, and the, the ways that we just prayed and prayed and prayed and asked the Lord to rescue and save us in a certain way and how that salvation didn't come that way. And I was forced to, to you know, I'm a pastor, so I've got to, you know, pretend, but internally wonder and ask, like, God, what are you doing? Why don't you save me this way? I want things, I want to follow you, but I want it to be like this. Sophomore year of college, uh, Abby said yes to her first date. Um, (laughs) I was so excited. Uh, This was a huge win for me. I I mentioned the baseball and I mentioned the baseball and choir stuff, right? Like this was a huge win for me. Um, so Abby says yes to a first date. Um, I like a, I mean, for the college kids in the room, don't judge this. But like I, like my version of a college kid, just thought, oh, yeah, we'll do 1030 after a softball game uh, and we'll go to a coffee shop. That'll be great. So here we are with like this crazy first date plan. But I, despite the planning, was very interested in this going well. Like it was very important to me. And I, however, didn't know what to wear. I was like, what, 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 what clothes do I wear to like make the right impression? I want to look cool, but not like I'm trying too hard. That had been a problem for me in the past, right? I want to look like I'm into this, but like, you know, it's casual. It's chill. So I come up with what to this day I think was a brilliant strategy. I wore a graphic tee with a button up over it, right? Apostle for the win in 2006, <laughs> all right? So... Graphic T, button up over it. And Abby, I was picking her up at her dorm at a and And her dorm, thank the Lord, had this wonderful little cul-de-sac where you turned in and you had to drive up away and then turn back around and I have to pick her up. So I knew I'd have just the right amount of time to see how she was dressed. And then I could take my shirt off if I was overdressed or leave the shirt on if I was good. Brilliance. It's absolute brilliance. I don't care what any of you say or laugh about. It was a brilliant idea. Sure enough, I pull up. I'm turning in, I realize I'm overdressed. This is a problem. I'm showing way too much interest. And so as I'm driving, I'm like unbuttoning and trying to like turn the wheel and I stuff the shirt in the back of the car. And then I pull up and I'm like, hey, how's it going? (laughs) Trying to be super chill. Because for me, this moment was so important, right? I had to make sure that things went well because I really wanted this relationship to work. It was so important to me. It was so important to me. So if I have to take off a shirt, right? In order to make this happen, to make this be what I want, I can do that. No problem, right? That's a no-brainer. In our lives, we're offered opportunities all the time to just change something, to take something off in order to get what we want that we think if I just do this one little thing, it's not a big thing. It won't be a big deal. I can just do this one little thing and I'll do it quickly and I can put it back on later. And if I do this, I can have what I'm looking for. I can have what I want. And yet through the story of Noah, we see a man who says, I'm not gonna chase the things of this world, in my way. Sometimes those desires are good. The fact that I wanted to date Abby was a great thing. The things we want in this life can be really good things. And yet, God has called us to live and walk by faith, to trust him, even when it seems like everything that we want and desire and the good things that we want are threatened. we see from Noah a willingness to walk faithfully through this process to follow God's way of rescue and it's not because Noah is some super christian it's not because Noah never makes mistakes and he never backs down and he's never threatened he's going to make some big mistakes later but what the text celebrates what we celebrate is what we sang today. It's because of Noah's faith. And faith in scripture is one that we can come and say, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. It doesn't have to always be right in your heart and mind. It doesn't have to be something that you always get and you never question and you never have doubts about. Because by faith, By confidence, by assurance, that's how people walk. And so I just want to take a moment and remind you what is our hope in? Because ultimately, that's what leads us to have faith in these moments when listening's hard, or following's hard, or receiving's hard. What God has promised to us a world without death that person or those people that you've lost, that you mourn, that you miss, a world where they're back, where they're alive with us, a world without loneliness, a world where you never feel alone, you never feel misunderstood, you never feel like you are all by yourself and you could never be known because God dwells with you and his people are with you. A world with no pain. No pain that you live with. No pain that those you care about live with. It just doesn't exist anymore. We want to talk about things that are unseen. Things we've never imagined. Things we don't know. A world like that is the one God has promised. It's what we hope in. It's what we have a conviction that we will see one day. And it's by that faith that the people of God go the way of God's rescue. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you have saved and redeemed us. And we're grateful for your beautiful future. the one that we have, that we can only have through you. I mean, who can raise the dead? Who can bring us back to life? Father, I pray and ask this morning that we would be honest with you. If there's a part of our life of faith, of listening, of following, of receiving, that has been a challenge, Lord, that that you would allow us to just come to you and be honest, and Lord, that you would meet us there. And Father, may you give us strength to persevere in life and in truth. We pray these things in your Son's name by the power of the Spirit. Amen.